0: This episode is brought to you by Amazon.com. On Amazon.com, you'll find great deals on Blu-rays, video games, digital downloads, such as Dan St. Germain's new stand-up album, Bad at the Good Times, which is a real page-turner of an album. Get that and other great stuff for your entertainment needs by going to xcomedy.com and clicking on the Amazon banner on the right side of the screen. Place your order and enjoy immediately. That's Amazon.com. Hello and oh my welcome god. to Tits and Giggles. This is the podcast for women in comedy and their supportive male friends. I'm your host, Sue Smith. What's up, guys? It's springtime. Oh my god, finally. It's so great. I'm so stoked. Seasonal depression is gone. I lowered my medication, my antidepressant medication because it's over. Oh man, I'm so happy. I just got a new bike from brilliant bicycles. Uh, this is not a plug for them. I just they have gorgeous bikes that are super cheap. They're like 400 bucks for like a single speed, which is unheard of for like a nice single speed. Um, and it's mine that I got is mint green and orange. It's like frosted. Um, and I hope it doesn't get stolen. And my friend Boris from my team, UCB1, is coming over today to help me put it together. And I can't wait. And I can't wait to ride. Because, like, I thought my bike got stolen at the end of last summer. And I had had it for, like, six or seven years. And I was like, no, I don't think I'm going to get a new bike. I'm sick of biking, blah, blah, blah. But then when it started to get warm, I was like, no. Like, New York City in the springtime is all about biking for me like i fucking love biking here and it's the most exhilarating amazing thing um so i got a new one and the thing is i needed a new one anyway and if mine didn't get stolen i wouldn't have gotten a new one mine was like seven years old and uh the (sighs) geometry was kind of wrong like when you're buying a bike make sure your back is good like make sure your back sits nicely on the bike this one my spine was like hunched over so my back would hurt not great. Um, but this one, Boris, I tested out his, and I'm super stoked on it. Um, and it's going to be great. It's green. Nobody steal it, okay? Nobody steal If you steal my bike, like, if you steal somebody's bike, you're taking their soul. That is, like, some dream-crushing bullshit. Some, like, it's like you're stealing their sunshine, right? It's awful. That's an awful thing to do, bike stealers. One time, I had this bike in college, um, and I put... A bell on it that said, I love my bike, and somebody still stole it, which is the meanest thing. Because what if that was like a little kid's bike that they love their bike and you stole it? That's so rude. Anyway, I've had two bikes stolen. I've had like four or five bikes in the city. Two bikes stolen. I think that's a good ratio. This last one I had for a while, and uh, you know what? It's. I just assumed when I got it, it was only a matter of time before it got stolen. I don't know why I assumed that, but uh, it did. Don't leave that shit outside. It'll get stolen. That's, like, inevitable. And I only left it outside for, like, three hours in front of my house, and then it did. Ugh. Ugh. Whatever. Also, Abus Locks. That's how I kept it for so long. Abus Locks are these, like, German locks. Of course, Germans make the best locks. They're, like, basically indestructible. I don't know how these people stole it. Um, and they like fold up and they're amazing. Anyway, uh, guys, oh, this is what I was gonna tell you. I got an office job and I like it. That's insane. I think I've always had it in my head that, like, I'm like, oh, I'm never working in an office because that's not for me. I can't sit still all day. But, like, I had only had office jobs that were like boring reception jobs before, where I wasn't doing anything productive, nobody needed it, and I was just like wasting time for nine hours a day. Um, now I have an office job where I'm copywriting, and it's great. I love it. I love being busy, I love feeling uh, useful, I love um, feeling necessary. Uh, it's so cool. <laughs> I don't know. I just like put myself through these miserable waiting tables jobs for years. And because I thought I couldn't sit in an office. And now I'm super happy. I like it. Um, everybody's chill. It's at like a, I don't know, a social media place in Soho. Everybody's really cool. I don't know. Whatever. It's cool. I'm happy. Life is good. Can you believe? <laughs> Nothing to be mad about. Um, what else? Oh, oh, okay, here's the thing, I put out, okay, I didn't realize, I didn't intend for this to happen, um, but two videos, I was in two videos about periods that came out this week, so the first video was for Dear Kate, which is the great, amazing indie feminist lingerie company, which I've done a lot of stuff for, um, and their video about your first period, their first period came out this week, Um, I didn't know when it was going to drop. I filmed it in January, I think. Then also, my UCB1 video about menstrual cups came out this week. Um, So, two period pieces in one week. And now I'm the period queen, I would say. Uh, If you have any questions about your period, just ask me. No, don't. I mean, some questions I could answer. Not all of them. Anyway. um, It's so funny. I've never been the victim of, like, an internet brawl before, or, like, this internet hatred that happens, it's, like, every day the internet picks one person to hate, and then everybody's, like, fuck you, you're banned from life, you know, I've never had that, and this isn't happening to that extent, but, like, um, with my menstrual cup video, some people were, like, there are a lot of comments on it, it's very polarizing, it's, the video that's gotten the most comments out of all the things. And some people didn't understand at the end that I was joking. So, like, I dump tampons in a trash can, and I'm like, I guess we don't need these anymore. And some people wrote on the video, they're like, I can't believe she just throws those tampons in the garbage. Guys, we took them, like, we put, we dumped boxes in a garbage can, and then after the shot, we took them out of the garbage can and left them in the public bathroom. And they were unopened boxes of tampons. So I gave tampons to a public bathroom. So like that's a fucking mitzvah, okay? Um, people didn't get that, and they commented on the video. And then I posted it in this women's feminist group I'm in, in Facebook. And some people were like, "Why are you tampon shaming people? Why are you tampon sh- tampon shaming? Oh my! Oh my! Come on!" tampon shaming i don't care if you use tampons pads are gross i think pads are gross i don't want to shame you for it but like everyone makes decisions but like oh pads are gross they're gross it's like having a smelly miniature diaper between your let's tampon shaming go fuck yourself okay like i can have opinions and that they're all right Oh, God, people are ridiculous. Anyway, so that's, I'd never experienced the outrageous internet before. And then when someone said tampon shaming, I'm like, please. Oh, my God, that's ridiculous. Everyone's ridiculous. (laughs) Ugh. Um, So, yeah, that happened. Okay. What else? I will give you some plugs real quick, okay? Okay. What day is today? Hmm. The 12th. No, today's the thirteenth. I'm recording this the day up. Ah, um, okay, thirteenth. Okay, so fourteenth every Tuesday, in New York City. We do a show called Bung- called Amazing Town at Bunga's Den. We still do that every week. Me and Lucas Kaiser. I fucking love that guy. Tim Duffy and John Saluga. Uh, call uh, at at Bunga's Den called Amazing Town. Eight p.m. Free, free show. We give away drinks at the end, so you should come out to that. And it's every, it's amazing. It's every week. It's amazing. Um, then the 15th, ooh, yeah, this week, me, Pat Bear, Katie healy uh Megan O'Keefe, fucking dream team of people, we are doing a show called House Hecklers at Videology at 7.30, and it's all about house hunters. We pick episodes from uh, house hunters that we want to fucking tear apart, and we show them on the screen, and then we make fun of them. It's the best, <laughs> because fuck those rich people, am I right? Am I right? Uh, uh oh, I have another show at videology this week. That's cool. Uh on Saturday the 18th. Oh, I got good shows. This is Sunday the 19th. I'm doing Harriet. Oh, Blair so- Blair How do you say say her name? Blair Saki and Farabrook. We're on the show called Harriet at Hi-Fi um on Sunday nights at seven. I'm doing that on the 19th, which I'm stoked about. Ooh, ooh, guys, I got some other shows, but this one, okay, Friday the 24th, this next Friday, in the Berkshires, in Massachusetts, if that is one of you, you should come to this, it's called Literary Deathmatch, and I guess people read things, and you, artists read the work, and then you judge them, I'm one of the judges, (laughs) and it's at Edith Wharton's house in the Berkshires, in Lenox, Massachusetts. Um, this is my first road gig. Getting there, right? I'm getting there. So if you're around, you should definitely come to that. This is the 24th. Um, and then on the 26th, I know this is ahead of time. On 26th, I have a couple of shows, but my little babies that I teach my improv to stand-up class are having their show at 6 p.m. at Bunga's Den here in New York City. And uh, we got a funny, funny group, so that's going to be a great show. That's free. Um, you should come out. This has been a long intro, but I I had a lot to tell you, a lot not to get off my chest, but just like checking in, a lot to talk about. Okay, and also my boyfriend isn't home, so I'm not self conscious about talking into a microphone while he's in the other room. You know, okay. My guest today is Lily Dew. Uh, she is smart. She's one of the people where I was sitting and as she was talking to me, I'm like, yep. You are smarter than me. (laughs) You're definitely smarter than me. Your brain works in a very logical way, and that's why you're good at improv. Um, And I respect Lily as someone who... I respect anyone who breaks out of the traditional mold. So Lily is someone who uh, grew up in a culture, a very traditional culture, where she was supposed to follow a certain life path, and then she's like, no, fuck this, what am I doing? Started going to comedy. Which I really respect and I love. So enjoy this conversation, Lily Do. Oh my god. Oh my god. <laughs> oh my god. Remember, uh, we talked about
1: relationships. Although being in a relationship for a long time like sedates you, like I have nothing saucy to say about like dating around anymore. I know. I've like forgotten.
0: Okay, how long have you guys been together now? Almost two years. Oh I, wow. I, yeah, like a year and nine months. Aww. Yeah. Don't I do feel like that is like oh I don't have any cool. Sorry,
1: is it possible if I can just have you scoot over a little? Oh yeah, that's just fine. Oh no, I didn't. Yourself. I didn't know where to be. Yeah, tell me yeah. wherever to go. I'm gonna be speaking. Yeah, well, yeah. well, I'm, I'm
0: also gonna help you out with the game. But, cool. Uh, yeah, if I can just have you a little.
1: Ooh, what is that?
0: What were you eating? Oh, guess them! It's from Blue Stuff. It's for everybody. Oh my God, really? okay. Your guys
1: are
0: yeah. good. Yeah, I always like. I feel like I've. I don't have enough material, or like, <laughs> I've never used Tinder. I don't know. I what know that's, I like, was just
1: thinking about the other day. Like, there's so much comedy in just screen capping Tinder guys. Just like people just paste like photos of like shitty people on OK Cupid, and I was like, I can't do that. But like. I don't know that I
0: want that. <laughs> yeah. Like it's a trade off.
1: I'm like, oh I'm in like a loving relationship and he just said something really nice. Here's like a screenshot of a nice text. Guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: Like I would rather go back to this shitty dating situation. <laughs> I don't
1: know. You do you just forget after a while? That's such, what do you mean? I like I feel like there are like patterns of like shitty dating behavior you fall into or you notice when you're dating around, but then if like you aren't dating for a while, you just, like, start to forget, which is nice. This is, like, yeah, just, like, humble bragging.
0: <laughs> it's definitely good. It's definitely good to, yeah, like, guys who don't want to commit or they're jerks or whatever. It's like, I see my friend, and she's always dating a new guy, and she's really into it, and then three months later, like blows up it's yeah like, oh man
1: i got good enough to like recognize the warning signs beforehand of like even like oh like you are very appealing and attractive to me but this would implode in my face in like a month or two so how like, did I'm you just gonna what the, avoid
0: what are the warning signs ev- everything
1: <laughs> tell me um like man children there's so many of them they're everywhere people who like can't admit their flaws like i remember talking to a friend i'm not gonna name names but it was like a a friend and we were like most embarrassing story and he's like okay i've never like told anyone like this is really embarrassing and it was like something about how like he like didn't win something and like had to lie about it when he was like 16 i was like that's not that's not embarrassing
0: if that that was
1: that hard for you to tell like how shitty would it be to be in a relationship with you
0: That's the most, like, entitled, (laughs) like, privileged life you've led. Yeah. I love that we're just, like, sitting in my kitchen drinking tea on a Sunday. (laughs) This is great.
1: Oh, my throat hurts so bad.
0: Oh, what are you sick with?
1: Um, I think just, like, a cold. What happens is, like, I get a little bit sick, and then I do a shoot in the cold, and then I get really sick. That's what happens to me every
0: time. (gasps) What shoot did you do?
1: I did shoot for low-budget sketch show, which is great, but we were, like, in a garage in, like, a tank top and shorts. And similarly, like, last fall, we did movie cram that weekend, and I was sick getting better, and then we shot all our scenes outside for, like, three hours.
0: Oh, that's right. Did you shoot... Who was in your scene? Carly
1: Ann Philbin. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: That was fun, though. Yeah,
1: that was fun. And then I, like, wanted to see it at night that when they did the premiere, and then I just couldn't.
0: I couldn't it was so late <laughs> yeah. um how did you and Matt meet originally?
1: Uh, we met actually I think in like 2012 we took a DCM workshop together mm-hmm. and then we were on an indie team together in like early 2013 and that's when like I got to know him and I was like, okay like trust you enough now. Did he ask you out? How did that go? No. It's like one of those, like this is gonna happen type things, right? What do you mean? Well, like after a couple shows, like we just kept talking. And I was like, "This is gonna happen." <laughs> you're like, you just you know, yeah, because you've like touched once, and you're like, "This is gonna happen." <laughs> then what do you mean? Um, but I actually like before I talked to him, I thought he was gonna be like. Before I knew, I got to know him through being on an indie team with him. But before that, I thought he was gonna be too nice.
0: He's a nice guy. He is
1: nice. He's not so nice. He
0: secretly beats me. Help me! Oh no! Help me! No,
1: it's fine. (laughs) Call Call somebody. No, I'm
0: fine. Um, I
1: this is this is I'm actually totally comfortable (laughs) with talking about this. Now I'm wondering like how much is he okay with me saying? He's very like. Pers- like personally private. And he is like private. Nice about, yeah.
0: Austin's private like that too.
1: Yeah. I don't think he knows half the things I've told other people about. <laughs> why would
0: you tell him? Why
1: Why would Does I tell him? you talk them? about
0: sex? Do you talk about his sex life?
1: I talk about everything. Do you? He is very private. <laughs> He's super
0: private. Like I told you, I'd never know. If he, you can never tell what he's thinking about someone or a situation or an idea. You have nev- no idea whatsoever. I can never put right? it. That's
1: why nice people are so much like, I'm like so much less trustful of like very nice. sweet I'm like, what are you thinking? Yes. Really? Because you do meet a lot of nice people and then they like a switch turns when they're in private. They're like, I fucking hate everybody. Right. So I'm like, when does that switch turn? except for vince moore if you've talked to vince moore and i've probed really deep and i've known him for a long time there's no dark part there's just like really? no darkness we're like what's the worst thing you've ever done he's like once when i was like little i like took something from like a church donation box and i felt really bad and i like gave it back and we're like this is not if you like repent for your sins that's not doesn't count yeah the worst thing you've ever done do you
0: ask people that a lot
1: Yeah, I love probing questions. Really? Yeah. Did you read that New York Times article about, like, the way to make someone fall in love or whatever? Uh -uh. Uh-uh. It was, like, an article, um, like, a, a woman read this report that was, like, these are the questions to, like, ask each other to, like, fall in love on a first date. And what it is, is it's just, like, really intimate questions so that, like, it simulates, like, immediate, like, intimacy and, like, vulnerability on a first date that most people don't have. Uh-huh. And it's just, like, personal stuff. I don't remember the questions, but she, like, did it with someone on a date, and now they're, like, still dating. I think they are in love. And she was, like, there's also other factors. Like, we were compatible. Right. And stuff. But it is, like, you stare deep into each other's eyes and, like, ask, like, spend a few hours, like, asking probing questions.
0: Yeah. What's the worst thing you've ever done? the worst thing i've ever done
1: um i used to get really angry when i was a kid angry yeah Uh uh-huh and i feel really bad about this um when i was like 11 or 12 um i was at a friend's house and she made me mad for like something it was like a small thing it was like not a good reason but she was like getting something from the fridge and you also like don't realize like your own strength like you think you're gonna like playfully hurt someone and i just like slammed the fridge door but it like hit her in the neck and immediately i know i was like that was too far (laughs) like that was like like her parents had to call my parents like like you could have broken her neck and i was like i thought i was just like like playing hitting her but i was mad but i didn't want to (laughs) like kill her like you could have killed her
0: are you physically (laughs) violent not anymore do you have brothers and sisters no oh um, and I also, like, my
1: dad gets really angry. And it's so, like, when you're young and, like, you see someone getting angry a lot and you're, like, oh, this is an outlet for me. Like, I can do this. And it's, like, very satisfying, right, to, like, be angry. It's, like, addictive. That's why people have anger problems. Oh, it's great. Yeah. And then when I was in college, I was, like, also, like, my dad got, ooh, cat just jumped right on the table. Yeah, she does that. Um like I saw my dad like lose control in his anger though he would get so angry that he would get like just like blindly angry yeah and and I could feel it too like I would get like so frustrated with my parents sometimes that I would just like almost like blind rage just want to like throw things and break things and I was like this has got to stop or I'm gonna like be him and also listening to the WTF podcast actually when I listened to Mark Maron who's like a great person but also like I just feel like the anger in him has, like, fermented and, like, hardened into a kind of permanent anger that, like, doesn't mm-hmm. subside. And I was like, that's going to be me if I don't curb this yeah. now. And now I'm a lot less angry.
0: Was your dad ever physically, was he ever abusive? Was it?
1: Um, he was, like, I, I just read a book recently, uh, Eddie Huang's book, Fresh Off the Boat. And it was interesting because he also talks about his parents hitting him. And there was kind of this thing where it's like, Chinese parents just do that because their parents hit them and they didn't know it was wrong. Yeah. Like in America, it's like, that's child abuse. Like you shouldn't do it. But in China, it's like, yeah, I think their parents hit them. So like my, my mother would like chase me around the house with like a rolling pin. Yeah. My dad would like kick me. Yeah. And I was just like, that's what their parents did. And it was insane to them that I'd be like, you people don't do this here.
0: My parents did that. I mean, not on that level. Yeah. My mom gave me a bruise one time. I used to get spanked all the time. My dad hit me with a wiffle ball bat one time. Yeah, they just, because their parents did it to them. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Now it's so weird. Now I feel like it is awful. Now I feel like I have to defend it to be like, they didn't didn't know better. It's funny. It was like kitchen utensils. There was always this really? rolling pin. Yeah. <laughs> like wooden rolling pin. I never saw her use it. I don't think she ever baked. I don't think it was anything other than like an instrument of pain.
0: I used to get wooden spoons, get hit yeah. with wooden spoons. I never re- remembered until just now.
1: Bring back some repressed memories. Yeah, when I was um, a
0: kid, wooden spoons all the time.
1: Yeah. I But then I would compare to like other Asian kids, and I'd be like, that doesn't sound as bad. I knew a girl... Whose mother would, like, tie up knitting needles and, like, whip her with it. I think she was psychologically damaged by that.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. That's awful. Yeah. I know my, my, my parents felt bad. I guess in the moment, I was like, this is fucked up. Or, like, I knew it was bad, and none of my other friends were getting that either. Yeah. But you don't feel like I have to defend it. <laughs> yeah. Because that's that's the way my mom's parents were with her. But would you hit your kids? no but i would talk loudly i would yell probably yeah I mean, it's like you do need something to like
1: intimidate
0: them but yeah like, what do you so many parents like let their kids get away with whatever yeah and, like they're not you need to let your kid know that you're the boss yeah and that you're in charge well, also, not them. in like
1: asian families because i'm chinese um there's like a very confucian system so it's like what does that mean confu like confucianism is like i think there's like set like pairs of like teacher student parent mm. child and it's like that's just the order like child is always respectful of pa- respectful of parents student is always respectful of teacher and that's like not up for questioning so that's why it's so like I remember, like, even, like, once my mother, like, did something wrong. And I was, like, you should say I'm sorry. And she was, like, I don't ever have to apologize to my child. Because that's just, like, the power dynamic. It's, mm-hmm. like, parent gave birth to you, so they're always in charge. And and you kind of have to, like, just buy into that. So they, like, controlled me on everything until I was, like, older. And I realized, like, you actually can't keep me from doing anything. <laughs> I don't know when you grow up in a really restrictive household you you kind of buy into the rules for a while
0: yeah because you're too young to know better yeah absolutely and they are in Florida where are they They they're in Maryland Maryland um do were you
1: you were born here yeah I was born in Montreal I was born in Canada for the first five years I was like speaking like French and Chinese and English and like couldn't differentiate between the three languages do you still speak them all i speak chinese and english i do not speak french i was in like french immersion school for half a year um in kindergarten in montreal before i moved to the u.s and i had no idea what the fuck was going on they were like showing us flashcards every day with like french words and like pictures and i just like it was my first year of school i didn't even know like what we were doing there i think i just like sat there i like um I peed my pants because I was too afraid to ask to go to the bathroom. Aww. No, it's like an insane story when I think about it now. I was like at an easel. I was like painfully shy when I was younger and I was afraid to ask to go to the bathroom and it was like the easel in the corner that like was like hidden out of sight. There was like a kid drawing on the other side probably and I just like went right there and then like went back to my seat and then like the teacher had to find it and be like, uh, it's what someone just peed in the middle of the classroom and like no one fessed up and i just like sat in wet
0: clothes (laughs) for the rest of the day why were you scared to ask because you didn't know the language
1: no uh i was just like afraid of authority figures and adults because like i think my parents probably like made them really scary to me because it's like Mm -hmm. you have to be respectful like adults are the authority figures gotcha
0: how do you do you get along
1: with your parents now um, I really appreciate them when I don't interact with them. <laughs> like, that's what I realized in college. Yeah. I was like, I really appreciate, like, what you've done for me and, like, how well-meaning you mm. were at a, di- from a distance. Right. But, like, the moment I talk to them, I get, like, 25 years of, like, bad feelings well up, and I just, like, am, like, yelling. Yeah. Within, like, a minute.
0: Yeah what
1: about you? you um,
0: I'm glad there's a distance.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: And I can't be around my mom for too long because she also in my family, <clears throat> I was the one that had to go to therapy when I was really young. So I've always been the one that worked on myself. So I feel like my family doesn't have the same tools that I do, so I feel like the parent to her a lot. Yeah. Um, she still acts like a kid with her anxiety and stuff, and that yeah. really drives me nuts.
1: I do your that. parents believe in, like, therapy and all that? In-
0: no, they believe it's a crush. Yeah. They think it's weak. Yeah, yeah. Asians
1: don't believe in, like, psychological problems. Really? Is, yeah. There's, like, I don't know if there's psychiatry in China. There's just, like, acupuncture and Eastern medicine. Um, which is why, like, there's, like, reports in, like, the U.S., which is, like, like, there's, like, very high, like, suicide rates among, like, Asian American teens and stuff sometimes because, like, mental issues aren't
0: addressed. Really? Did you ever go to therapy or anything as a kid? Mm-mm. So, what do they say now? I'm going to get you more tea. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you. I think it's still
1: hot. Um, I think I'm good. Okay. I'll give work. you
0: that. Thank you. Um... Um, or have you gone as an adult and like, do you talk to them about it?
1: I've only gone, I went in college to a like psych, like just like a therapist to talk when I was having a stressful time. <coughs> <coughs> Oof, there's that cold. Um, I go to a psychiatrist for like ADD oh, um, for like that, which was something that I finally figured out in college, which was like, oh, I've never paid attention in a class. Ever. Yeah. And that's. that's
0: do you it. talk to your parents about that or do you not tell them that?
1: No, that I had to because like I, it's so funny, I don't drive. So when I'm home to go to a doctor, to go to anything, I still have to be like, um, mom and dad, like I have a yeast infection right now. Uh, can you <laughs> drive me to the gynecologist? I'm 25 years old. <laughs> that's amazing that happened this thanksgiving
0: really i like, got
1: home i was like oh by the way i have to go to the guy i was like i don't want to go through this but like i can't wait five days i have like a uti i it hurts <laughs> to pee i have to go to the gynecologist and like i just don't think they understand so immediately it's like are you pregnant do you have a disease like what's wrong like like are you like being inappropriate with your body and i'm like you know i just have a uti please drag me to the gynecologist.
0: Like, immediately judging you? Yes. And your decisions? Yes. Oh,
1: that's the worst. Sue and I have the same hair right now. We for sure do. I copied you. Yeah. Green tips. I copied Kylie Kylie Jenner. Jenner. (laughs) Um, Although I didn't know who she was until I googled ombre green hair. I basically, before I dyed my hair, I googled every color. I was like ombre pink hair ombre purple <laughs> hair ombre green hair so I like which one looked the most okay on the most
0: people i think the green looks good i follow all the um kardashians on instagram that's all I know. <laughs> it
1: was hard. well now now i've looked at kylie jenner she looks great she looks so good but i don't know what's up with those lips but what
0: did your parents say about your hair
1: oh my mother was like if you want to play with colors you could get some wigs i can get you some wigs and I was like, that was, like, more reasonable to her than dyeing the tips of my hair. Just, like, wearing a full-on okay. wig when I want to change things up. Oh,
0: my God. It's so funny. So they, how come they moved to Montreal from China? Um, They did, right? Yeah, yes,
1: To go to grad school. Okay. They went to grad school at McGill. And then my dad got a job. What does he do for her? Um, he does, like, pharmaceutical stuff. <laughs> yeah, he like got a PhD in like medical stuff. <laughs> so else yeah, we don't know what our parents do. <laughs>
0: um. Yeah, my mom worked for like a, clo- like a clothing company for years. <laughs> I don't know what she. Does. Well, when you're young, you
1: don't know, and then yeah. when you're old, you just like take it for granted. Like, whatever. Yeah. No, he worked for the FDA for a while.
0: Oh. Okay. Cool. Nope. That's not for you. Um. And what do you? Do, how have you learned to change your anger now? How do you channel your anger now?
1: Um, well, and now it comes less often, so it's not as big of a deal. When So that when I first started addressing it, it was just like, honestly, like, letting it go. Because there's that, it's like, there's that point when, like, something makes you upset and you can choose to, like, let it make you angrier. Because it feels good. It's like, ooh, I'm angry. I'm going to punch things. I'm going to scream. I'm going to be mad at people for no reason. Or be like, I'm angry, but, like, I'm in control of myself, and I'm just gonna, like, let it go. And just, like, literally, like, just deciding to not be angry about it. Yeah.
0: It's definitely... A, it is, like, a high to be super yeah. angry.
1: It feels good. It, it feel It's, like, a false sense of power for a while. Because mm-hmm. it's, like, I'm gonna yell at everyone, and they don't know it. I deserve this. <laughs> <laughs> I deserve... Yeah. And it's, like, you're just mad because... You missed the 3:30 showing of Paddington Bear. <laughs> cool your chest.
0: Shut up. I'm better about my anger, but I always get angry when I'm traveling in airports or when things are disrupted or in restaurants. I guess a long, t- a lot of times, <laughs> a lot of things. <laughs> when I just feel like it's easy to give good service in restaurants, and there's so many bad service. People give bad service, and then when I'm traveling, I fucking hate airports.
1: So yeah. Much. Those Did you, you ever think airports, like, could be romantic? I never thought they'd be this bad. Yeah. Did you? I feel like when I was younger, I romanticized airports. Because, like, they are romanticized in movies and stuff. So I was like, ooh, like, people meet yeah. people in airports. They're, like, seated next to someone. I don't think I've ever been seated next to, like, a dark, handsome stranger. I've always been seated next to, like, families and, like, other ladies and, like, gross people. Yeah.
0: Like the yeah, the loud child. Yeah, yeah. So when did you start doing comedy? How did you start doing comedy?
1: Um, when I moved to New York. So right when I graduated college, I had a job offer in New York for like a financey officey job, and I was like, "This could be the rest of my life," and I don't think that's what I want. Is that like, what you studied in college? I studied. I double majored in math and economics. Uh huh. Yeah. Wow. Um, which, like, I genuinely love. Like, I love math and, like, quantitative stuff. But, um, yeah, I was, like, well, like, most people that you know, like, your, my parents or whatever, like, go from desk job to desk job yeah. for their whole life. And it's always, like, about, like, what's the next desk job I can move to. And it seemed, like, so foreboding. I was, like, well, I hope I have some, like, hobbies or, like, something that I like outside of that. Otherwise, what's the point? Um, and so I signed up for an improv class at UCB cause like I knew what UCB was and I liked comedy. I just never thought that I could do it. And I was like, oh, maybe I'll like, like it and I'll like have this as a hobby or like maybe I'll be good at it or maybe I'll be awful. Like I have no way to know unless I try. I took it and I fell down the rabbit hole and I like took a million improv classes and like did a bunch of improv and did some other stuff and that's where I am now.
0: Yeah. Do you still have a day job? Uh, do You still nope. do finance? Nope. <laughs> I left that
1: after a year. I was like so hasty to go. I like knew.
0: Yeah.
1: Um I got I got like I got I don't I don't even know how to explain how lucky I was. I basically like tried to get fired well I am mean, not tried to get fired like you do your job well but like you don't want them to want you. And then like they clearly weren't firing and then one day I came in and I was like, uh, I'm going to leave. I didn't want to leave because then I'd have to find a new job in like two months. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I can. I'm like, can I say all this or I'm, is the government going to come take my unemployment back?
0: So you got um, you got severance and unemployment? No, I, so
1: I, I got laid off because I was like, I want to, I'm going to leave now. Yeah. And, and then they like, they're like, cool, like finish your work for the end of the day and then come in the office. They brought me in and then they fired me and they're like, yeah, we're going to let you go i had been like coming in with a bad attitude for like half a year trying to get fired yeah um but like my first half of the year i was great i was like such a great workhorse that like stayed i worked like 60 hour weeks sometimes it was awful um so i got fired so and they were like any questions and i was like uh does that mean i can collect unemployment they're like yeah i was like cool that's that's all okay great see ya (laughs) that's great yeah and so I like and that helped me like ease into like unemployed life of like do uh, working odd jobs and like coaching improv and all the other stuff that I do now
0: super unpredictable and stressful yeah unemployed life yeah it's great um do you think you'll ever go back to finance oh
1: no not (laughs) unless I'm like if I'm like like I wouldn't I know a lot of people a lot of comedy people who like work the front desk at finance firms or like I'm like yeah I could do that that seems like not stressful although I know Morgan Miller used to work the front desk at a like a hedge fund and she had to go on their like corporate retreat with them for like in like for like three days and like a nice look but like had to like wake up and do their like workshop and like bonding exercises no. and we're like you work the front desk why she's like i don't know
0: oh no hell no um that sounds like a nightmare yeah was it wolf of wall street was that kind of no
1: i was not like a trader or like okay. a banker i know nothing it about was, finance. <laughs> it was more low-key than that i hate like friendly cubicles though hate like it. those low cubicles they're like it's because like we're not like closed off from each other it's like we can have a dialogue with each other no it meant that my boss sat right behind me and he could see my computer screen at all times and i don't know i'm like still a part of me is like very asian and like afraid of authority even Mm -hmm. though i'm very like anti-authority at the same time but when it's like the hand that feeds me i'm very much like i will never go to a non-work site ever that like came up in my mid-year review they're like it's great. You're never slacking off. You're always on a work document. I'm like, yeah, cause you're
0: looking at me all oh the time. Oh my God. I didn't know that they really did that. They could. Yeah. I like in those settings, I try, I'm afraid of authority, but then I try to see how much I can get away with as well. And I just try harder and harder to get yeah. away with stuff. And then I eventually get fired.
1: Well, it's hard when you, like, at first you think, like, this might be my whole life. I have to be good and please them. Oh, God, life. Life
0: is hard. Have you When was the last time you worked a desk job? Um, well, I had a freelance writing job last month that was, like, required me to be in an office Uh for four hours a day, and while it was lovely and I'm happy that I got to do it, I... It was very difficult. Yeah, it was because it was um social media, and it was like,
1: like Facebooking,
0: Instagram mostly, and like <laughs> pretending like stuff isn't. Um, I hate pretending that stuff is important that it's just like doesn't matter in the grand scheme of life. Like what? So like, I had a fashion PR job, and mm-hmm. they were so serious about it, and they were like, it was they worked so hard. They worked like ten hour days, mm-hmm. and like this doesn't matter they take it so seriously yeah yeah. it's fashion it's clothes oh, who cares funny
1: interests change also like i don't yeah. know about like how many i used to be i think also when people are younger i used to be really into like fashion and it was so like escapist and like pretty yeah i used to like be really dressed up all the time yeah. uh and now i'm like I, i'll wear like the same shirt like four days a week because <laughs> it's easy and it still
0: smells clean yeah, absolutely. So, what is the best thing you've ever done? Because I asked you the worst.
1: Like the, like not that it like feels good. Like the best thing I've done for like other people. Yeah. Oh yeah. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Nothing. No, I'm just trying to think. I don't know. Um.
0: I don't feel like. I don't know about best thing. I think that's a harder one. I know. It is, right?
1: Because worst, it comes with those immediate feelings of guilt. And best thing also for someone, like, I don't know if that gives you any emotional gratitude. Mm. Unless like, like unless it's, like, superficial charity, which I don't think counts. Like, if you're volunteering for two hours just to feel good about yourself, I don't think that counts. Yeah.
0: Um. I get really, for me, I get really indignant about, like, cleaning the apartment like my my family was very in gender roles growing up and so my dad yeah. was like do the dishes when my parents divorced he'd be like do the dishes do my yeah. laundry blah 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 so like I get very indignant about gender roles and being like I am not your mom I'm not your slave yeah. um but now in the last like six months I'm finding that I really like a clean apartment so I'm just gonna clean it yeah <laughs> you know what I mean and I'm not gonna like bitch at him because he doesn't he, he doesn't work like that yeah he just doesn't work like that yeah I want a clean apartment Yeah. So Um, maybe, like, doing that, not being, like, resentful and just doing it. I don't know. Maybe something like that. I don't know. I don't know that I think I'm, like, a good person.
1: (laughs) I feel like I'm... It depends on, like, where I am in my life. But I think I'm very, like, empathetic Mm -hmm. to other people. And when they're going through a hard time, I'm, like, good at... I guess that's something. Like, I'm good at um, talking my friends through... I'm actually really good at talking my friends through relationship problems. Okay. Like, not so great when it comes to my own. Uh But, like, for other people, I have great perspective. There you go. I'm very good at... I feel like everyone thinks they're good at giving advice, though, right? I feel like I'm pretty good at giving (laughs) advice.
0: (laughs) I'm good at being... I've become a better listener. Like, I feel like I used to tell people what to do more yeah and now i'm just like do you want me to listen or do you want my
1: feedback yeah because ultimately like you can't change their actions like like friends who like date someone who's like clearly shitty or something i feel like when we're younger we like try to change yeah and that's just like is not gonna you can't make your friend break up with someone that they think they love that you think is shitty you can only like kind of like be honest about my role is like I'm going to be completely honest with you once and tell you exactly why I don't like them, like, why I think they're bad for you, and just know that I think this, but I won't bring it up again because it's your decision
0: to make. I think that's good. I think that's good. I think it's horrible... After you break up with someone, to have everybody being like, that person was a Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the worst. It's a tough position,
1: though, because then you're like, I don't want this to ruin our friendship. Right. So that's why, like, I'll never bring it up again, and let's just focus on our friendship, but also, like, please, let's not talk about your significant other, because
0: I hate them. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> That's amazing. Where did
1: you go to school? I went to Smith for college.
0: Is that what you're asking?
1: Yeah, where is that? Uh, It's in Western Massachusetts. Uh, It's an all-women's college. Lila Cohen-Michio wrote wrote the show about it. This is about Smith. Yeah. Did you ever see it? No, but I read the script for it. I asked her for it. It was kind of before my
0: time. I moved here in 2011. Okay. Yeah, I remember it. It was good. Did it... Was it true? Or was it spot on? A lot of it is. Yeah. yeah,
1: A lot of facets of it. It, But it's not just... It's like any kind of, like, hyper-liberal liberal arts college
0: i see i went to school in the city at at pace and it was a i didn't have that traditional college experience yeah because
1: everyone's like kind of in and out
0: yeah um so i didn't do i don't know what that hyper is. oh yeah it is
1: a bubble yeah. yeah and it is yeah it's so funny now to have these arguments with people it's like you know it's like explaining like are you a feminist, are you not a feminist? It was never, like, in college, like, are you or aren't you? It was always, like, how extreme of a feminist are you? Like, of course you are. Yeah. Yeah, but I think there's so much... It's weird, like, I'm so liberal, but it showed me a side of it that was, like, so liberal that it almost was, like, how you get so conservative, you become reactionary. It was, like, so liberal that it's limiting sometimes. How so? And that, like... Like, I've read articles, like, about Transparent, which I think is a great show, and it's, like, a great show to, like, you know, especially, like, f- to introduce that story to people who, like, don't know about trans people and what it's like. Um, I read, it was, like, on Auto Straddle. Uh Like, I think maybe it was an article that was, like, criticizing a scene where, like, a trans character was shown as, like, really, like unmasculine and kind of weak and silly do you know which have you watched yeah 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 so it's the the trans um man who like when he's like stumbling with like the dildo and stuff in the bathroom and can't use it and they're like oh you're still using trans people to be like the butt of the joke or whatever and i was like i get it but like that scene wasn't about that that was not the attention it was about like gabby hoffman's character and how she was like romanticizing him and like if anything, like, it was, I think, a positive message yes. about how, like, she shouldn't have so, ro- like, projected what she wanted on a trans man and, on, and the reality of it. Yeah. But, yeah.
0: Yeah, so your viewpoint is a little more conservative. Like, theirs is very liberal.
1: It's just, like, a sensitivity to everything. Yeah, yeah. I don't think mine's more conservative. Mine is kind of, like... I mean, I'm not, it's weird. I feel like for any progress you make, there's all these like concessions you make too. And it's not like, oh, I'm okay with them putting out like a bastardized version of like trans people in yeah. the show. But it's like also at the same time, like you have to appreciate that this is a show that's out there now that when there's never been
0: a show like this before. Absolutely. So let's not criticize it too much. Let's just yeah. be cool with
1: it. It's like, do you want it canceled? Because then you'd have no show. Yeah. Like, people are like, this is awful, like pull in. It's like,
0: really? then you have nothing it's so good I love that show yeah do you think that math your math background helps you be good at improv mm,
1: I think it made me like good at getting game I think I'm like very logical but I think it like inhibits me how so too um well I've noticed this like when I coach students a lot of times for like those there's students and they're like usually like the ones that like put together the practice group or whatever and they're like maybe like a a lot of like s- computer programmers right mm-hmm. in improv they're like computer programmer or like quantitative person and so like they understand the rules but in a way they're like bound by the rules because they like in programming like you work by algorithms in math you work it with with the set of rules and it's like easier for them to be like well how can i do this right mm-hmm. this is game this is what the book says talk talk find the unusual thing focus on it, heightened it, one beat, rest the game, two beat, rest the game, and, like, they get so focused on that that they, like, can't relax enough to take in the other stuff, and they have a harder time, like, when something, like, gets wrong, like, something, like, random happens, or, like, and they kind of, like, can't compute anymore, and they get, like, mad at their teammates, which, like, I think I suffer from, like, And you're like, oh, it's clear. Like, why couldn't you do it right? I never, like, Mm. said it out loud. But I would, like, feel those feelings. And that inhibits you sometimes. I think those are the people who, like, in a way, like, that's a thing they have to overcome. Like, they're smart. They can play a game. They could write a sketch easily. Mm. But as a performer, like, they have to, like, loosen up.
0: Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Do you work on that?
1: I try. I've, yeah. I've played with a lot more like wild card players now than when I was like first starting Mm -hmm. and I think that's a good exercise to be like anything can happen and just like enjoy it and I
0: know when you're coaching and you tell people just like don't follow the rules just do a montage don't worry about group yeah like second beats or anything like that they kind of melt out yeah (laughs) if they're higher levels
1: it's so weird like yeah the that impulse like do it right it's like, well, at the end of the day, we're just doing improv. We're, like, fucking making up Comedy. scenes. Yeah. These rules are there to help you to get to a funny scene faster. But it's no right or wrong. Like, you can't ace the test by getting all the steps right.
0: Oh, absolutely.
1: People get so caught
0: up in that. Um, it's easy to get caught up in that and think that, like, if you do all these steps... Yeah. That'll
1: lead to success. Yeah. But on the other hand, it's so much more intangible to just be like, I don't know, just be like charismatic and a naturally funny person. It's like, how? How? Yeah,
0: that's hard. That is hard.
1: I know. I said to someone, I, was like, I. they're like, what are you trying to achieve on stage? I was like, I guess like how like when I'm at home with my roommates and I'm like totally relaxed and so comfortable, I'll like do any kind of bit and like feel comfortable in my own skin to like do anything and be like, yeah you'll never achieve that because you're on stage that's different and it's like
0: yeah no that's what I try for like in auditions and on stage that's exactly what I try how for. how do
1: you do that how do you get to that space
0: I don't know I just I saw Violet I saw Violet in an audition once and it was for Carnival Cruises Violet Carmen and she um we had to wear a bathing suit and I was so uncomfortable yeah. I hated every second of it and I was like, Violet, are you nervous? And she was like, no, I could be naked in there and I wouldn't care. Yeah. And for me, that's like, I could never be naked on the stage. So I, from then on, I was like, I just want to be the same no matter where I yeah. am. I don't know. I think it's just doing it.
1: I mean, I try to push myself in little ways. But then every once in a while, like, it's hard to get yourself to constantly do it because then like something happens where like you're told no or something or you get a rejection and you just kind of shrink back in on yourself and you like stop pushing yourself for a
0: while yeah for me i just i don't know i think stand-up's easier in that way yeah because you you're just working by yourself yeah and improv is a lot harder because you got to learn how to work with the team and if someone is rejecting you you don't want to work with them and you're not going to push yourself with them i don't know
1: yeah but like could you walk in that audition room naked now
0: no no <laughs> I definitely give less, fewer fucks than I used yeah. to.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's so weird that people are so. That was the thing. DCM, so like Doug Close Marathon. Every summer, there's so much male nudity. Yeah, You're like guys taking out their dicks and balls or whatever, which is why I improvised girls, which was just like the girls from the suck my dick class. This was two years ago. Um, we did a show at like 3 a.m. And we we're like, let's all get naked. Let's like equalize this. Um, and I think we, like, did just, like, mostly, like, just, like, topless and stuff. But it was, like, because, like, guys are so comfortable and safe to, like, oh, take their, like, bodies out. Yeah. And, like, but, like, for women, I feel, like, almost feel like people are scared to because I feel like women get so immediately sexualized and objectified. And mm-hmm. it's, like, this is our body. Like, we get to choose to, like, show it off. Like, there should be at least as many boobs as, like, balls get taken out.
0: Oh, absolutely. But, like. Or DCM. I don't know. I don't know what weirdos looking at me. <laughs> but like I don't wanna see balls. We did either. like yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Maybe
1: I'm too conservative. Well there's also everyone has like camera phones now, yeah. so that's scary. We had to like yell at the audience to put away their phones. That's good. That's good. Yeah. I think Julia Weidman, who's, like, so comfortable being naked with an audience, like, why tell people to put away their phones? Like, just, like, sell it even more. I was like, I don't know. People here have, like, day jobs. Like... Yeah, no.
0: Yeah? You don't want pictures of that online or anything. Yeah. Um... Yeah, it's easier to push yourself when you're working alone. Yeah. I think. It's hard. Yeah, I, For me, it's harder to that work. That makes sense. Exactly. I'm
1: terrified of doing stuff by myself. Really? How come? Because I've... I've started doing comedy through improv and that's like mostly what I've done so I'm always with a team I feel very comfortable going on stage with like a team of people I trust and I'm so uncomfortable being just by myself but like to the point that I don't like getting the suggestion for sets and stuff really and this might be crazy and I know I should fight this by like I don't know like getting the suggestion all the time but like I almost feel like the audience prejudges because they don't see like Asian females or like people who look like me doing comedy that often so I almost feel like they'll prejudge a set if I get the suggestion and I don't want that like boon on my team
0: is that insane I think they'll be they'll judge how funny Asian women are
1: no that they'll judge the team like they're like well we never like if they have their own preconceived notions on that like Asian women aren't funny or whatever or, or just like unfamiliarity they're immediately like oh what is this show gonna be, like, this is a comedy that I'm used to seeing, and then even if my team, my team, I've never been on, like, an all-Asian few. I don't even know that many, but, like, if I'm on, like, a co-ed team or whatever, I think it's gonna, like, just, like, all, like, put, like, this prejudgment.
0: Hmm, I've never thought about it like that, but it's definitely prevalent in stand-up, like, audiences don't always laugh at women as much. Yeah. Like, and, they're much easier to laugh at men. Yeah, um, and much more responsive. Yeah, even to with men. shows,
1: when like a big fat man gets the suggestion, yeah. whatever, he's like, ah, like audience, just the response yeah. for it's like a girl coming out, and it's ridiculous, and it's like probably part of fighting that is just like getting out and getting the suggestion a hundred times until they're used to fucking seeing your face, but it's also like, well, they also have to sit through another half hour of your show now, and I want them to go in as receptive and open as possible
0: yeah but I think doing it more will make them more receptive yeah I don't think that yeah I know what you're saying yeah like it's like I was on a stand-up show recently where they were um only laughing at black dudes and it was in like a kind of a black neighborhood and I was a white girl and I was like I know this is gonna bomb I know I'm in the bomb. I know that they're not going to like me. And I had to wait an hour because I was at the end and I went up and I didn't do very well. But like, is the answer to cater my set to like be more like a black dude if this audience is going to laugh at that or just be me and get them used to laughing at people yeah. like me? You know what yeah. I mean? So like, is the answer for you to be like a big fat guy getting a suggestion or just do you and like get know. Them used to laughing at you i guess it's different you know? because
1: it's not solo material yeah so, so for solo material it'd be just me for another like 10 minutes and it's like you just have to get used to me but it's like when it's a team it's like i don't want to be responsible for how so many other people are gonna be perceived i don't know it, maybe it's not as intense as that but it's as intense as like i remember morgan miller has said like reference her a lot um because she also does stand up and i don't know that many people who intensely do stand up and improv um she used to go and perform in dresses and the same set the response would be so different if she was wearing jeans and a t-shirt than a dress which is ridiculous like there's already like you see like a feminine girl go up and they're like arms crossed
0: yeah that's such
1: bullshit but
0: i don't pay too close of attention to that kind of thing because it would make me fucking crazy yeah i don't know I don't know i just the
1: suggestion yeah it's like i would not know if i'm being insane or if i'm correct until i like until we get like a decibel measurement of like <laughs> everyone on my team stepping out to get a suggestion that's <laughs> a medical experiment yeah i want to quantify it i want to have a control group
0: <laughs> but that doesn't like I don't think that dictates the course of the show. This no. Suggestion. No.
1: But uh, mood is weird. I mean, improv is one of those things where even, like, going in, if your mood is weird going in, your show's going to end up weird. Yeah. It's so strange. And the audience, too, like, if they're either, like, with you in the beginning or, like, they're not. And it's mm. harder to, like, win them over.
0: Right. right, right, right. That's true. That's true.
1: Especially when you're asking. Improv is so much more ridiculous than stand-up in a way. Stand-up is, like... Like talking to you, I'm like one person. I'm like strong by myself. And probably like we're a bunch of people m- pretending we're in an ice cream store,
0: right? Like, being we like monsters in an ice cream. Yeah, we're like
1: miming <laughs> objects, scooping <laughs> fake ice cream. It's like already so much more ridiculous. That's true. That's
0: true. Um, are we going on time? Right. Okay, no, yeah, five minutes. Okay. Oh, okay, just wanna see where
1: we're Cool, cool. Um. Um, when we were talking about like the intimate questions thing, yeah I used to ask people I don't know if this is like highly inappropriate of me I used to be like what's your most repressed memory that's ah! <laughs> like a fun party question <laughs> I was like what's your most repressed memory
0: I love that because I hate small talk so much I know I so it.
1: so again like yeah that like like fall in love like how to fall in love on a first date thing I was like oh these are things like that I would just ask someone anyways okay. I'm like
0: What's your most impressed memory? I don't know.
1: I don't know. It's hard. Um, but I asked three guys once when I was in New Orleans traveling, and one of them like told like you know he's like typical like repressed memory party story i think i was like i was raped in college and i was like oh no <laughs>
0: i was like this is why you shouldn't be asking this as a party question one time i got on stage and i was like i had watched <coughs> a terrible reality show where bad shit was happening to people and yeah. i was like What's the worst thing that's ever happened to you <laughs> to the audience? Yeah. And one guy goes, "I had testicular cancer." And I was like, "Oh, that's pretty bad. I should have had that." <laughs> All right.
1: They're like you don't know what you're opening. Like you could have some like heartwarming stories that bring you together, or it could just take that serious turn. But I love it when I people pa-
0: play along like that. When you're like, so I, love, almost-
1: "I, I think like we can't be sensitive about like our darkest." Huh. things because like
0: it makes you real yeah yeah
1: it's just it's like i had like such a, like a tough weird childhood and it's like if i hadn't been able to like laugh about it
0: there's like no way i would have gotten through it yeah absolutely oh that's a great place to end <laughs> <laughs> thanks for coming over no problem thanks so thanks You're for having me, me. You're sick there you have it lily do You can follow her on Twitter at Lily D. I knew she was great because one time we rode the train home together and she talked to me about her abortion. So I was like, this girl's great. Anyone who talks openly about abortions, I'm on board with. Also, she dates Matt Starr, who I fucking love, who is also on my team. Anyway, at Lily D. You guys are great. Oh, I'm sad to go. Bye. Love you. Bye.